getting pretty steamy in here. All right, so we got a special treat tonight. <clears throat> you have seen him. It's been exactly one year since you guys got to meet him. Yep, exactly one year. He, he, uh, he just kind of invaded New Philly last year into one of our leadership training meetings and uh, just stole everybody's heart <laughs> by doing a wonderful seminar called Strength Finders. And uh, we've been in touch with him and uh, his entire family. <laughs> Got the old army. Uh, and uh, it's been such a treat, such a, such a joy to uh, be in friendship with his brother. And uh, he's been here visiting Korea since the Clyde revival. And uh, uh, he also has some uh, good news to share, which I would like to share on his behalf. All right. One year ago when, it, when Joe came... Uh, this was a, a brother that Del and I were kind of just praying for because he just looked like uh, he, was a, he was a man that was a, afraid of a commitment in some ways, all right? <laughs> so he was struggling with that theme. I'm just going to air it out all for him right here, but uh, he was just struggling with that. So uh, the Lord has just been doing a wonderful work in his heart through different people he's been meeting throughout the year. And uh, in the autumn of this year, uh, Joe really just broke out of that. And he just felt really led of the Lord to pursue a beautiful girl that he found and met at Jubilee. And, uh, and she has a beautiful name. <clears throat> All right. So Joe, Joe recently he came into a romantic relationship with a sister named Erin uh, over at Jubilee. All right. And so we got to have dinner together a few months ago. And she's a wonderful girl. And, uh, and so they, they've been seeing each other. And, uh, you know, we just want to speak life into their relationship and bless them as they continue to go forward. But uh, yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That is a miracle from one year ago. And I'm happy for you, bro. I'm happy for you. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, tonight he's going to be coming up to uh, share for us uh, from his life and from the word. Let's put your hands together for uh, Joe O. Come on. I'm pretty convinced, like, Christian, you don't want me to come back. So you just, just made sure I'm not coming back. But, um, yeah, I, I got to uh, come out here about a year ago. And um, how many of you guys know Dell from Collide or from anything else? He actually was in um, Kansas City a couple days ago, and he recorded his uh, first single, You Are, which is going to go on sale on iTunes um, January 30th on his birthday. And all the proceeds are going to go to uh, the Mahal Foundation um, for the orphans, for the orphans. And so, uh, but it's, a, it's an amazing song. I got a chance to get a sneak preview of it, and um, it's awesome. It doesn't sound like him. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like, he's good. He's good. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know Dell. he's like, he's got soul, you know, and he's got, he sings like gospel, grew up in the black church, and so he likes to do his runs and everything, but um, this recording, it's like a little more tame. You know, they make him sing the melody and stuff like that, but it's still amazing. It's an amazing song, so make sure you guys check it out. It's coming out soon. Um, but can we pray real quick? Just, I got to recover from that introduction, so I got to pray. <laughs> let's, just, let's just pray. Uh, God, yeah, um, God, I just pray um, 
in the time that I share, um, God, you already, you, already, you already spoke so many profound things tonight. Um, you already spoke and declared so many things tonight. God, just, just give us another, another revelation that we can keep. Um, give us something, God, that's going to hit us deep, um, that we can treasure, a word that we will treasure um, for this season, God. Not something that will come in one ear, um, tickle, our, tickle our heads and, and go out the other, but something that we will treasure in our hearts, God. And we will, in, in the hard times and in the struggles, that we will look back and say, I remember that word. I remember your word, Lord. God, we just come to you and ask um, for your word to speak. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, since I'm at New Philly, I, I want to ask a question because, like, people always come up to me. So I've been to Korea about five times now in the past um, 13, 14 months. And um, people have randomly come up to me, some from New Philly, some from Jubilee, some from back in the States. And um, some of them I've known for weeks. Some of them I've just met. Some of them I don't even know have walked up to me and said, um, yo, you sound just like Christian. And um, I don't think so. I think we're really different, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess I should just ask you. And then another thing I heard was that everyone says that Aaron, um, I guess my Aaron, laughs like your Aaron. Or like sound the same or laugh the same. Yeah, I know, I know. That's what I, it's like. No, okay, okay, okay. Awkward. Anyways. Um, anyways, uh, if you guys have your iPhones with you, if you could turn to John 13. John chapter 13. If not, you know, I'll just read it for, me, for you. I have a, I think it's a New English translation. John 13. I'll just start reading. Just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his time had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now loved them to the very end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, that he should betray Jesus. Because Jesus knew that the Father had handed all things over to him, and that he had come back from God and was going back to God, he got up from the meal, removed his outer clothes, took a towel, and tied it around himself. He poured water into the wash basin, meaning to wash the disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel he had wrapped around himself. Then he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not understand what I am doing now, but you will understand after these things. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, then Lord, wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus replied, the one who has been bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not every one of you. I'm sure you guys have all been to like, if you grew up in church, now maybe not everyone here grew up in church, but if you grew up in church, at some point in your life, you were at a retreat, right? And, and you notice that up in front, like they have like um, these, these wash basins like lined up and you're like, what's going on? And then they tell you, they read this text and they say, now what we're going to do is everyone, you're going to take your shoes off. Right? And you're like, what? So everyone takes off their shoes, and then they take off their socks. And maybe you were that person that didn't wash your feet that day. You know what I'm talking about? And as you're, as you're walking up to get your feet washed, the only thing you're thinking is how embarrassed you are. Right? Or maybe you're the person that had to wash that person's foot. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't know about you, but I remember times when I had to sit in that basin, and then you would get that one guy that was like really convict, convicted by this passage. And like they took it so serious that they would like spend like five, ten minutes on each foot. 
you know, and they would just rub and scrub, and, and, it, and the, t- the basin is starting to turn like, like floaty things are coming up, and you're like, come on, bro, just sprinkle it and let me move on, but they're like, no, the, no they're like convicted, and, 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 and as I'm reading this whole, whole passage today, it really spoke to me about intimacy, okay, <laughs> I was like, you guys are like the Borg or something, but uh, it really spoke to me about intimacy, intimacy, and since Christian kind of put it out there, I guess, um, you know, so I am dating this amazing person, Aaron, and I'll just say this, like, being in that kind of relationship, it really exposed to me how, um, how much I wanted, desired intimacy, but didn't have the ability uh, for intimacy, and how scary intimacy is, because you have to really be yourself. You know, I can, I think Aaron first met me when I came in to do Strength Finders for Jubilee, and um, man, that's easy to impress people because I know my strength finder stuff and I know my jokes. Like, I don't even need my notes. I know put this joke here and then they'll laugh at this and then pause and then move to this. You know, it's like it's all, it's all mapped out. But um, when you don't have everything mapped out, what you're going to say, sometimes conversations get awkward, you know? Sometimes you're, I'm, I'm, you're looking at her and, and you don't know what to say and then, and then she's just looking at you and then, it, then five minutes pass. <laughs> you know, <And> it's like, <laughs> you know, it's not really like that, right? But, you know. And, and I realized something. Um, as long as there's the need to perform, there's a lack of intimacy. If in any of your relationships there's this pressure to perform, that means there's a lack of intimacy. You know, even today, it's weird. I'll just be honest. I'll be honest today. Even today, um, so I don't, I don't remember the last time where Aaron heard me speak. Um, I'm sure it was good, though, right? But um, this, this week has just been, like, like crazy, like, hectic for me, and, and um, I wasn't feeling, like, on my A game. You know what I'm talking about sometimes, right? Sometimes you come in, and you're like, man, I'm going to blow the house up. Other days, you kind of, like, limp in the back, and you're just like, Lord, I just pray that the praise leader gets this, like, leading from God just to worship today, and we never get to the message, right? <laughs> you know, and when you were up here, I thought for a second you were just going to start preaching. I was like, go, Lord, just, just use him, and then you didn't, and so, and then there there was like this feeling of like, man, I don't feel on today. And when I go up there and she was like, I'm so excited to hear you speak. And I was like, oh, great. You know, and, and there was this thing of like, oh, man, I, I don't know if I'll be as good as I normally think I am. And um, I realized, man, there's like this, still this need to perform to, to get the approval of other people. And that's, that shows that there's like a lack of intimacy, a lack of, of willingness to be real. And when I was reading this, passage, it showed to me that Peter had a fear of being real with, with Jesus. Because you know, you know what it's like to have someone get between your toes and all your junk, you know, and, and rub it out, and then it flows up in that little basin, and then people behind you are looking at it, and they're like, that came from you. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, and they don't want to put their feet in it anymore, you know? Like, everyone's faking like their foot's in the thing, but it's not. It's like, and so I understand when, when, See, first it sounded like this noble thing because back in those days, you guys know this, right? If you've been growing up in church, that only the slaves would wash the feet. So it sounds like this noble thing of Peter saying, Lord, what are you doing? You're embarrassing yourself. You're supposed to be the king, the Messiah, but you're putting this towel on your waist like a slave and a servant, and you're washing people's feet. But you know what? I still think there was something in Peter that, that felt ashamed. That felt ashamed to have Jesus wash his feet. There was something interesting 
that he says, Peter, whoever has been bathed needs only to have his hands and feet washed. You know, and if you look at the Greek, you can go look it up on your own. It's on the internet somewhere, right? But if you look at the Greek, this is what it means. It means that someone has literally been immersed and scrubbed from head to toe. So Jesus is saying, if you're in a relationship with me, you've been fully washed from head to toe. He says, but even then, you'll still need to have your hands or your feet washed from time to time. What does that mean? You know, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you are covered in his holiness from top to bottom. You are absolutely covered. How many of you guys remember the moment where you found yourself in relation with Jesus and where you felt clean, you felt pure? And how many of you guys remember the next day messing up? <laughs> That's just me, right? And you don't feel that clean anymore, you know? And, and what Jesus is saying is this, that you are washed from head to toe. You are clean, you are pure, but going through life. There are times where you walk and you stray away. There are times you fall down. There are times where you might touch something you shouldn't touch. But what he's saying is this. Even when you do that, there's still grace for you. And I picture Jesus standing as king. We're washed from head to foot. But even times when we wander away from him, I picture him getting off that throne, putting a towel around his waist, and coming down and washing our hands and feet. And I'm like, God, you're king. You're the king. What are you doing? And when he does that, you know what I want to do? I'll be honest. I want to run away because I feel unworthy. You know, I went to this church called Bethel, and they're like this really prophetic church, right? Um, there's some, Bill Johnson. I think he was actually in Korea a couple days ago. And I was sitting there getting um, this guy was hearing from the Lord, and he was actually hearing from the Lord because things he was saying was spot on. I'd never met him before. I think he was Scandinavian. Because he had this weird, he spoke English funny. And so, not that if you're Scandinavian, I'm sorry. But like, I don't mean that. But he, he was different. And he, was, he, was, he would look at me very intensely with these like silver eyes. And he would say, you thought to serve the Lord would mean you would have to suffer. And that's a lie that you've lived under for so long. I was like, yeah. And he would say, <laughs> and, and, then, and then he would go on and on. And he would say things, I... I had never seen, and he just hit things like this, and this, and this, and this, and this. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and then he looked at me for a long time, maybe about a minute, and I, I got uncomfortable. And he just looked at me with his piercing silver eyes. And then he went, oh, wow, wow. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know? I was like, tell me that, like, I'm the chosen one or, you know, the future leader of the world. <laughs> He's like, wow. He said, Joe, you're pure. And he, said, and he said, rivers. He said, rivers of purity. Rivers. And he was like, whoa, rivers of purity. Afterwards, it's funny because they actually give you an evaluation form. You know, like, how was it? You know, you know it's like, <laughs> did you enjoy your experience? And, like, and then they said, rate the accuracy Oh, the, pro the prophecy is given to you um, from one, I guess, from like zero to 100 percent. And so I wrote 95 percent. Because everything he said about me was so spot on. And, but not everyone could be 100 percent right, right? Because we're human. And, but everything he said about me was spot on until he said that I was pure. And so I was like, man, I, he, was, he was almost 95 percent. 
About a week later, I was driving in the car. I remember thinking of that guy, Scandinavian guy. You know, I was like, 95%, man. And right then, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, Joe, he was 100% accurate. And he said, Joe, when he told you that you were pure, you didn't believe him, but you actually don't believe me. And I remember that I had gone to like a lot of retreats and told people about Jesus and the cross and said, when Jesus bled on that cross, you know, he, he washed you and he made you clean and you're pure. No matter what you've done, you're pure. And I would, sometimes I would cry and be like, you're so pure. And then when some guy told me that I was pure, I immediately rejected it. Because immediately, I remembered like things I had done 10 years ago. You know, seven years ago, last week, I just, I, I was like, and I cringed on the inside. I was like, I'm not pure. And I was like, I just remember sitting there like, just, just get to the next one. And I remember, I, I want to ask, like, how many of us really receive when the Lord comes to, to wash us? Or how many of, you guys, of us are pushing away? I remember Benjamin Robinson gave me this great analogy, and I've shared it before, I think. He said, the problem is this. We're wearing like this white shirt, and then we're eating like barbecue. And then we drip on this shirt, so we throw it in the wash, and we wash it, and we pull it out, and it smells clean, and it looks clean, and it feels clean, but you can still see a stain. And it's faded, but you see a stain. And you wash it again and again and again, and the fade begins, the stain begins to fade, but there's still a faded stain. And so the problem with us is that we've been washed in the blood. But we know where the stain should be. It's like those little lights you turn on, and all of a sudden it shows all the stuff. You know, but when the lights, these lights are on, it looks okay. When you put on a black light, all of a sudden all these things come. Like, we know where the stuff is. It looks white, but we know where it is. Oh, three years ago, two years ago, last week. But to see ourselves the way he does, it's pure. think I think that's hard for us and I think of in the scriptures there's a story about a woman and there's actually two separate women who come to anoint Jesus feet you know I always think they were the same and then found out that they were two different people and then one woman comes with an alabaster jar. And they just call her the sinful woman, right? They don't even say what sin, they're just sinful, but we're all sinful. The sinful woman with the alabaster jar. And you guys have heard the alabaster jar, it's expensive perfume. And, and some people even said, speculated that this woman might have been a, a, a lady of the night, you know, a prostitute. And, and the kind of perfume she was saving up was actually the perfume you would use on your wedding night. It was a very expensive perfume. And on your wedding night, you would cover yourself with this fragrance, and it would just fill up the entire room. And I remember when I learned that, I, I laughed because I, I was like, why would this prostitute woman save? And you got to understand, prostitution in those times, and even today, a lot of it was poverty-driven. They were either widowed or they had no other way to get bread or food. It was like their last resort. So this woman who has 
financial just in poverty, just bit by bit saved money to buy a perfume that you would use on your wedding night. But she's a prostitute. And she had this silly dream that one day she would get married. This foolish dream that one day she would leave this life and a man would come who didn't care. So she saved for this perfume. And then one day she met that man. And she knew who that perfume was for. And she finds where he is. And you see, women weren't allowed to just come in where the men were eating. But she didn't care. She comes in and she breaks out the perfume and pours it on him and it covers him from head to toe. And, and she just begins to just weep and wash his feet. And, and everyone's looking at Jesus saying, if you were a prophet, you would realize she's sinful and you wouldn't even let her near you. And Jesus defends her. You know, I think of the stories in the Bible where God even tells, you know, Hosea, a prophet, to marry Gomer. You know, who was a prostitute. But God told him to do that. You know? So I don't know why you guys want God to give you like a marriage word, right? Because he might give you a crazy one. And so, so, you know, just find your own wife or husband. You know, it's like, you guys can do it. But God tells him, you know, go marry Gomer. He's like, Gomer? The, The prostitute? Yes. So he goes and he finds her and he woos her and maybe she fell in love with him and and they get married. But pretty soon she leaves and she just goes back. And I can imagine his heartbreak, his heartbreak. And I felt a month ago, I was just having a conversation with the Lord and I just felt God saying like, Joe, you're like Gomer. I was like, I am. I just keep going back and forth in so many things, God. And I felt God speak to me saying, Joe. And it was almost like we were a married couple, you know? Like he was the man and I was the woman. <laughs> it was weird, right? No one's comfortable, no guy's comfortable being called the bride of Christ, right? It's, it's, it's a little different for us. But then it was okay in my head, though. And so... God was the husband, and I was like the wife, um, and I was like unfaithful to him. But he kept coming back for me. And I began to see this thing play out on my head where it was like 10 years would pass, but I'd still be unfaithful, but he would still bring me back. And I'd still be unfaithful, and he'd still bring me back. And then it was even like we were in a, we were in a retirement home, old folks' home, and I'm still being unfaithful. <laughs> and he's still bringing me back. Still bringing me back to the rocking chair in the corner and saying, sit here. <laughs> My eyes would just keep looking in other places. And I felt God saying this to me, saying, Joe, even until your old age, if you're unfaithful, I will be faithful. Even if you're unfaithful to your last breath, I will be faithful. Even if it's only in your last breath for you finally say, God, I finally get it. God, in my last breath as a human, I give you all of my heart, all of my body, my mind, my soul. God, I'm yours. Finally, with this one breath, I can say I'm truly yours. I felt like the Lord said, it's worth it. When he said that to me, I said, God, I want to give myself to you now. 
not even preaching my notes really, so I'm kind of lost. <laughs> but I just, I just feel like, I just feel like the Lord is just saying, He just wants our hearts. You know, and if there are those of us who feel far from the Lord, maybe there's guilt or there's shame or there's anger. I just feel like the Lord just wants to come and wash us tonight. One thing that I will share that I felt like I was supposed to is this. I feel like God gave me a scripture. Um, Do not despise the day of small beginnings. I'll be honest, I don't even remember where that's from. I think it starts with a Z. Okay, no. To not despise the day of small beginnings. And I began to understand this whole thing about intimacy, because intimacy requires commitment. And actually, I was going to share about commitment a little bit. Intimacy requires commitment. And you see, Judas, when he betrays Jesus, betrays him with a kiss. He calls him rabbi and betrays him with a kiss. See, Judas was familiar with intimacy. He could kiss Jesus on the cheek. He could sit there and let Jesus wash his feet. But what, Jesus, but what Judas didn't want was commitment. He wanted intimacy without commitment. See, he wanted, he wanted to kiss Jesus. He wanted Jesus washing his feet. But he didn't want to commit to Jesus. He didn't want to be faithful. And I feel like that's the word that God has given us, is be faithful. And so when it says, do not despise the day of small beginnings... Man, let me tell you, it starts small, but be faithful in the little things. Be faithful. And I I couldn't help but think of David. You guys know David, right? The guy killed Goliath. When he shows up to fight Goliath, his brothers comes up to him and says, why aren't you with the few small sheep? What are you doing here? He makes it a point to say, you're supposed to be with the few small sheep. Maybe like six sheep. What are you doing here? You know what David says later on when he goes before the king to fight Goliath? He says, I've killed a lion and a bear when they came for those sheep. See, it's when you're faithful to the five, six sheep. See, if David wasn't faithful to those five, six sheep, he would have never have killed that lion or that bear. And that would have never prepared him to face Goliath. Be faithful in the little things. And I know a lot of us, or at least me, when you're stuck with those little things. See, I went to this church called Mosaic, and it's this huge church um, with a world-renowned speaker, filmmaker, businessman, pastor guy. And it's amazing, so many creative artists, and, and um, I wanted to do some film stuff when I got there, and there's musicians, and all these amazing, creative, talented people in Los Angeles. Like the epitome of creativity, I feel like, in the world. It's like the number one export of L.A. is creativity. So I'm in this hub of talent and creativity, and you know what? When I got there, you know what they put me in charge of? They called it setup. And we would set up the Mayan. The Mayan's a club down in L.A. And basically, I was in charge of cleaning the bathrooms. And you know what? That first time I went in there and I saw that filth, and it's, it's, a, it's a club, so there's like, sometimes there's throw-up, sometimes there's like, you know, I'll be honest, like diarrhea and, and like vomit and everything. Sometimes you get all three, you know, just, I'm like, what happened, you know? I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. There's been times where people have found like needles there. There's, you know alcohol and cigarette butts every we got to pick it up and we have like the our handshake at the mine is we elbow bump because our hands are dirty sometimes and gloves so we always do the elbow bump thing it's filthy and i'll tell you the first time i went in there man i scrubbed that place clean and i remember i was scrubbing those toilets and i was like jesus you washed my sins and like man like i was filthy like this toilet but 
you washed me and I cleansed it, you know, and, and I lasted for like one month, right? <laughs> and, and like, and the second month, I was like, I hate these toilets, you know, I was like, these, these people are disgusting, you know, like they're filthy, and you know, and let me tell you, like, it was the hardest thing, and I remember even one week, oh man, I'm confessing, I'm being honest, one week, I didn't go. I wasn't in charge that week, though, but I was still supposed to show up. Because I, I got sick and tired of it. I was like, you know who I am? I mean, but no one does, right? But like, but like I knew who I am, right? Like, I feel like what, at least one person should know me or something. But, like, you know, no one actually knew me. And, but I, you know what I'm talking about? Like, and, and I started despising that. And I, I started, like, no one appreciates this. And to be honest, a lot of people didn't. You know, I started to get bitter and complain and be like, man, I came here to scrub toilets. Are you kidding me? You know, I came here to do this. I came here to do that. But I'm telling you, see, it's the process. How many of you guys have ever received a prophetic word or, an occur- or something spoken over your life? And then everything seems to go the opposite? Because that's the process. That's the process. Joseph, the sun and the moon and the stars are going to bow to you. And then your brothers beat you up and throw you in a pit and tell you they're going to kill you. And then they're, then they're like, okay, we won't kill you, but we're going to sell you as a slave. And then you get sold as a slave, and you're kind of scared. But then you start doing well, and you get promoted to top slave. Right? But then the boss's wife hits on you, lies that you tried to do something to her, and then you get thrown into prison. But then in prison, you get promoted to, like, top prisoner because you're so good at things. Right? And then these two guys from the government get thrown in there next to your cell, and you're like, this is the Lord. And then you interpret their dreams for them, and then it comes true, and you tell them, remember me, and the guy that gets freed forgets about you, and you're stuck in prison for a couple more years. No matter how bitter and angry, and the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down to you, and you're rotting in a prison. How many would try to become the best prisoner that you could be if you were sentenced to life in prison without parole? Be like, you know what? I got a future in this place. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to get my GED, L-O-B, M-Y-Q, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Joseph, but Joseph went in there saying, I'm going to be the best of the best. Because he held on to that prophetic, the dream that God had given him. So you know why God gives us prophetic words and dreams? is because those times are going to come. And when those times come, we're not supposed to say, this is contradicting the dream. We're supposed to say, no, this is temporary. But what God said is true. That's why God gave you the prophecy. And it's going to come in contradiction sometimes because let me tell you why. You need to go through the process because it's in that process where you develop the character to stay in the place of promise. See, if, if Joseph went straight to Pharaoh's palace and became basically the rule of the world, you know what would have happened? He would have just been a spoiled brat because he was a spoiled brat. But he was sold as a slave and he knew what it was like to be an outsider without any rights. And then he was thrown into prison, and he knew what it was like to be someone that wasn't even existing. And you know what? When he was promoted to rule of the world and in charge of the food distribution, you bet he remembered his friends in prison and the slaves. He had friends in prison, and I'm sure he said, make sure you bring this to my friends. He was down there, so when he was up here, he would not forget those people. the process and some of you guys have been going through that process and it's been hard and you've been thinking like God you're just grinding me down but it's because he's going to take you up so high 
He's going to take you up so high. You've got to get low so that he can take you up high. And some of you guys have been getting the same prophetic word every time. Year after year. Different guy comes, but he still gives you the same prophetic word. Right? Sometimes it's to encourage you. Sometimes it's because you haven't been faithful with the little things. So you keep getting the same prophetic word until you're faithful with the little things. And then you can move on to the next thing. You can get to be, go from a slave to a prisoner. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, exactly. But it's the process. And that's one of the things I felt like God was saying was be faithful. Be faithful. You know, there was a time when a speaker could come, right? And he would share something. And you would live off that for like eight months or even a year. And then there came a time where like Niagara would happen, but it would only last like, what, two months maybe? And the collide would come, but maybe it would only last like two weeks this time. I feel like God is saying, just get into my presence. And wherever I take you, just know that I'm with you and I'm doing something in you. I mean, imagine how hopeless Joseph would have thought. He had no future in prison. But man, there he learned administration, you know. He learned how to distribute. He probably learned how to barter and trade, you know. That kind of stuff happens in prison. I hear. Man, everything that you go through, God can use. And let me tell you something. Even if it wasn't the first choice way, God could still make it the best way. And I think the greatest lie that we've been told is that if we've messed up, we can never have the best way. See, the reason why it's called the best way is this, so that we don't have to go through all the unnecessary crap. That's why God's way is the best way. But it's not called the best way because it means we can never get that blessing that God would have given us if we had been perfect all along. Because no one's perfect. See, God's grace is such that he restores and redeems all things. And no matter where you feel like you've messed up in your life, God can give you what you would, he would have given you even if you would have never messed up. He can restore and redeem all things. The blood of Jesus can redeem and restore all things. And it was to such a point that when Joseph met his brothers and they came back and he revealed himself as ruler of the world pretty much, his brothers were so afraid that, they were, that he was going to kill them that they began to tremble in fear. But Joseph, he's, he's weeping with joy. And he's, and he's saying, brothers, God allowed this so that I would become ruler of the world so that I could save you. See, when you're faithful to complete the process, there's such a joy that comes. There's such a joy that comes that, that no pain, no hurt can stand up in the light of that. Your deepest hurts, your deepest pains, when you've gone through the process, the joy that comes is so complete that you can't carry it. There's not, there's not one room left, there's not one drop left in your bucket to carry a single drop of that bitterness or pain or hurt, no matter how deep it is, because the joy of God is so overwhelming. But you have to go through the process. You have to be willing to be bathed from head to foot but to let Jesus wash your hands and your feet as you walk after him day after day. You have to be committed to the process. 
just going to wrap it up here. You know, I think about David. He's anointed to be king. He goes back to the shepherd fields. Right? I would have moved straight into the palace. You know, be like, I got anointed as king. He went back to the shepherd field. He kills Goliath. I think he goes back to the shepherd field. Then he gets brought in as Saul's little musician boy. Right? And then he starts getting promoted. And then Saul gets jealous and starts throwing spears at him. He starts running for his life, living in caves. And, and he's in the caves. He's so far from the palace. But it's in the caves again where he learns how to rule, where he learns how to lead. David's Mighty Men, I was reading it today. If you read it, it's, oh, I love that. Second Sam, go read The Mighty Men. I wish more of the scriptures were actually like that. I would read the Bible a lot more, right? I'm just being honest. And I'm reading that Mighty Men. But you know these Mighty Men, when they first came to David, they, they weren't the Mighty Men. It says all the disgruntled, all, all of those who were in debt, all, all the rejects gathered to him. And there were times these guys wanted to kill David. And it was learning to lead these unruly small band of men that taught him to become the greatest king of Israel. You might hate the team that you're in charge of. And just be like, man, they just complain and this and that. And No, God has placed you there for a reason. And let me tell you this. When David became king and he sat on that throne and he had everything that a king could desire... I bet you, I can't bet you because I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there were times when David was sitting on that throne and the weight of that crown was so heavy and political things and, and border disputes and, and he's just, because if you've ever been in a position of leadership and influence, all of a sudden there's like this pressure that you and I cannot imagine. I think if you really understood the, the weight of that, we wouldn't really want to be up there. So when David goes through the process and he's promoted and he's put in that high position, and there were days, I'm sure, where David said, God, I, I actually don't want to be king. I don't want to be famous. I don't want this position. I just, I just want to go off and disappear for a few weeks at a time. You know, maybe there were even nights where David snuck out of the palace put on some old shepherd's rags, took his harp or lyre, found a bunch of sheep on a hillside, and just began to play and say, Lord, tonight you be the king. I'll just be your shepherd boy. And he would just sing to the Lord. And he would just sing to the Lord. Don't leave that place. Because if you're too busy for intimacy with God now, as soon as you start moving up even a little bit, you're, you're not going to have time. And I feel like that's the fight. Intimacy with God now. You know, Erin actually told me something where she said this. She said, intimacy is the ability to receive. And I realize it's really hard for me to receive. Presence, compliments, I just, I don't know why. It's just, it's hard. You know, I, I either immediately compliment the person back with the same exact compliment, you know? Like, or like, or I'll just make a joke, or I'll just be like, oh, okay, you know? It's really hard for me to receive. Like when Mary and Martha, 
everyone dishes on Martha, but you know, her heart was in the right place. And the Lord never said what she did was wrong. He just said that Mary chose the better thing. And what did Mary choose? I used to think she chose laziness, right? <laughs> right? But you know what Mary chose? She chose to receive. And intimacy is a time where you can just come to the Lord and receive and receive. And you'll never be called to give what you haven't first received. So the Lord is calling, especially New Philadelphia this year, to receive much. You, she loves much because she's been forgiven much. Let's pray, and I think Eunice is going to come up after. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the covenant, God. That once we put ourselves in covenant with you, once we put ourselves in relationship with you, God, you said you are faithful to the faithless. God, you said even when we fail, you will never falter. And you are committed to us to the end. That you will never stop pursuing us or wooing us. You will never stop washing us, purifying us, loving us, God. And God, I pray for this season, bring us into a season of deep intimacy with you. Because God, I want to love you. And let that be the cry of our hearts, God, that we would love you. That we would love you more than our sins. God, I pray for those that are going through the process and they just feel beaten down. And they just feel broken, God. And they're even doubting the things that you've shown them. God, I pray that you encourage them right now. That those dreams and visions are true, but you're taking them through a process. Because you want to refine their character, God. Because you will never put someone... God, where their talent can take them, but their character can't keep them. Because, God, you want us to remain in the high places of influence. You don't want us to be a flash in the pan or a scandal overnight exposed and thrown down. God, you want us to remain in the high places. So you take us low to instill in us the character of Christ until it is perfectly formed and we will succeed when you lift us up. So, God, we embrace the process. We embrace being given the menial tasks of setting things up and tearing it down, the administrative work that never seems to end. God, we embrace those things because we know you're at work in all of those things. And God, what will allow us to get through all that is the dreams and the visions you've given us, but also intimacy with you. Because God, when we have intimacy with you, there's a joy. And when there's joy in our hearts, we, we, we can't burn out. Burnout is a sign that there's a lack of joy. Lack of joy is a sign that we're not in your presence, Lord. So God, help us to fix our eyes on you and just come into a time of hearing your heartbeat. Because it's not enough to hear your words. You said, my sheep hear my voice. God, it's not enough to hear your words. God, we want to feel your breath as you speak over us. Be so close to your face that we could hear your heartbeat. God, I thank you I thank you that you desire us to be lifted up high with you. God, I thank you that you, there's, man, there are some people in here that are going to, they really are going to end human trafficking. 
God, I pray especially for those who feel like they were bathed and now their hands or feet are dirty and they're too ashamed to admit to anyone and they feel distant from you, God. They feel stuck like Zacchaeus in the tree. Can't get closer, but can't leave. I pray, Jesus, just come and wash us again.